And now, get on your feet to hear your world champion podcasters, the Pulsing Podcast. It is time for the definitive 1990s music draft. Pool sceners, there's never been a better time than now to tell you that we want to stand with you on a mountain. We want to bathe with you in the sea. We want to lay like this forever until the sky falls down on us. This is the Pool Scene Podcast. This is another entry in our Swim Meet series. I am Kevin. I'm joined by Jim. Hey, now. We are covering a topic that Jim has been working on for weeks and literally seconds before hitting record. I just added two songs that might need to. And I've been working on this for approximately three and a half days, but also for my entire life. Exactly. I agree. So we are going to be giving you the definitive songs of the 90s. Bias removed our objective opinions as to what we believe are the conclusive songs of the 90s. When you think 90s, these are the songs that you think of. Yeah, no personal feeling on this. We looked at charts. We looked at stain power. We looked at stuff that has just been, as soon as you hear it on the radio, you're like, oh, that's that's an ultimate 90s song. And we're going to do it draft style, 15 each, so that we don't have any crossover between picks. So if I pick it, Jim can't pick it. If Jim picks it, I can't pick it. So that we each have a total of... Of 30. 30. So we'll have 15 each for a total of 30 definitive 90s songs. After the episode, there will be a Spotify playlist titled Pool Scene Definitive 90s that you can search for and listen to. If there happens to be, I obviously can't make the playlist until after the episode, but if there happens to be someone else, weirdly enough, that made a playlist called Pool Scene Definitive 90s. First off, my attorney will be contacting you. Yes. First off, Jim's uh, attorney be in touch but second it's the one by catsup savage so jim i think you and i have had we may have had different 90s sensibilities i think so too so this should be interesting again this is supposed to be feelings aside but obviously it's impossible for our own experience to not slant what we think is essential because like i was a bit like warren from empire records so like a lot of rap a lot of 107.9 the end and like I know you had like pop sensibilities and see, I was kind of hoping you were going like have more rap than I have on this list because that's more of your thing. Mine's more of a a pop rock sensibility on my end. So it's a good balance. All all together, it should be songs to find the nineties. Again, one last time. These are songs, what you'd put in a time capsule from 1990 to 1999. I'm sure there's going to be some where you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they forgot it. Our draft, our picks. If you guys think we missed something, let, us to one our Facebook page. Hell, maybe we'll include it in another list one of these days. How yes. about that? Not the best songs, just definitive definitive or else i mean i'm gonna spoil some picks but like or i would have had mazzy stars fade into you or ghetto boys my mind's playing tricks on me no is al scratch that's i don't think the right name no Ill Ill. Al scratch what did i say yes. is al is al scratch <laughs> i don't know what you're saying ah but yeah i mean i love those songs but they're not definitive 90s so jim let's do a coin toss all right let's do a coin toss all right i got yep. heads all right Got tails. tails. All right, you ready? I'll call it tails. It's tails. All right. So you want the first pick? All right. So here are the draft rules. 20 seconds between picks. Oh, we can't do that. I got a whole, I got paragraphs. No, I'm saying you got 20 seconds to pick. Then you can. I gotcha. Jabber on about it. So I compiled a list. I worked on this for three and a half hours last night, breaking things down, eliminating stuff. So I have my pick. The pick is in. 
With the first pick in a definitive music draft of the 1990s, Team Jim selects Hey Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms off their album New Miserable Experience 1993. I kind of went back and forth on this because initially this song was included on their debut album Dusted in 1989. Yes, correct. However, it was re-recorded and re-released for their 92 album, which is his New Miserable Experience. So here's how it kind of did on the chart. It became the band's first top 40 single on the Billboard Hot 100 in 93, reaching number 25 so you know kind of somewhat up near the top and not completely about the top it was inspired by the lead singer's desire to get back with his ex who had left him because of his drinking and cheating he originally included the line you can trust me not to drink lead singer robin wilson insisted on changing drink to think having grown tired of hopkins lyrical references to his drinking problem and kevin and i you guys know about this pool singers out there we saw gin blossoms last year at nautica we're gonna see him in about a month that's right out at the rib burn off out at Southern Park Mall and Boardman. They still sound great. Yeah, this they really is, do. This song sounded like I heard it off the radio. Well, it was fantastic. The, the interesting thing you didn't mention about Doug Hopkins is he was kicked out of the band before they became successful. Yeah. Even though he wrote the song. And then it, it's more complicated than this, but it led to Hopkins' suicide. He killed himself. Like he dreamed of having a gold record. This became a gold record for a band that he was not in. And he destroyed it right here when uh, RIA sent him the actual gold record, destroyed it before his death in 93. He also said, and it's one of these things we've seen this in the past with, especially rock and roll type acts. He even said, it's my song. I don't enjoy it. I mean, when it comes on a radio, I turn it off. So it's like their song. He hated it. Awful. Yeah. So that was my first pick hey jealousy by the gin blossoms kevin you're on the clock let me know when your pick is in all right my pick is in number two overall pick nirvana smells like teen spirit from 1991 off the album never mind this is the song that never quite went away produced by butch vig kurt cobain was trying to write like basically a pixies knockoff he was yeah. like I, I love the pixies i'm gonna write a pixies song he came up with a riff which he like thought was really cliche and i've never really heard it like i've heard the song well, obviously, yeah. but i've never heard the riff like until he said this he said it's a Boston more than a feeling knockoff. Okay. And the riff is kind of like more than a feeling. So then Dave Grohl was inspired by disco, specifically the Gap Band, the, the drum fill. So after the song, this song like really kicked off mainstream grunge. Record labels stumbled to sign every single possible band that could be the next Nirvana. Sounds about right. And thanks to Ian the Shark for basically single-handed getting a sign. No, they basically were like, we're going to sign every band in Seattle. And and. They really, I think, did hit on a couple. Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. Oh, they did. Nirvana. But outside of that, I mean... And remember on MTV, when this first came out, this was like the number one song on MTV, which seemed like for two years. It was unstoppable. Right. And, and I'm going to make pool seniors mad. I'm pretty sure we've talked about this on the podcast in the past, but had not for Kurt Cobain's untimely suicide, I just don't know what would have happened to Nirvana. I just think their sound would have changed or they would have broke up. I, I think Nirvana may have ended up sounding more kind of, Foo Fighters, more Foo Fighters, maybe more Nickelback. Who knows? Or, oh God. or maybe that Nickelback and that 
kind of music just wouldn't have happened because maybe grunge would have stayed longer. Who knows? There's an alternate universe where Kurt Cobain actually did write How You Remind Me, and yeah. he did the Vine for a photograph. Could okay. you imagine that? But it. I could have seen Kurt Cobain them coming more Foo Fighters-esque. All right, so that was Kevin number two with Smells Like Teen Spirit. So needless to say, that was on my top 10. That was actually my fourth selection, but I it's gone now. All right, I'm going with this one. My pick is in. <laughs> With my number two pick in a definitive 90s music list draft, Team Jim selects One Sweet Day, Mariah Carey and Boys to Men off the album Daydream 1995. Now, this is where I had my biggest hang up in my draft. That's board. a very high pick for this song. So this is why. Initially at this spot, I had Boys to Men, I'll Make Love to You at number two. Because the album two was one of the most definitive albums of the 1990s. Let me interrupt quickly. So there's so many Boys to Men songs that could appear on this. Yeah. That it almost now makes it like a choice if you want to pick another one because you don't want two songs by one artist to appear on here. See, this is where I waffled on it. I was like, could I put Boys to Men twice on this list? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think it's right. So I figured I got two for one here and there I can go. include Mariah on the list. Okay. I mean, when you think 90s, you think Mariah. This song, Eclipsed I'll Make Love to You, setting the record on the Billboard charts at number one for 16 straight weeks. I'll Make Love to You was 14 straight weeks. That's another reason why I put it on top more than I'll Make Love to You. It ranked the first on Billboard's Hot 100 of the decade end chart. I mean, number one. This had cross crossover appeal. I can remember in seventh grade, our one teacher, Mr. Kreitzer died. And I remember I was in seventh grade choir performing the song at his like remembrance at school. I mean, it was on everything. Yeah. It was a stripped down music video. It was them in the studio it, just honestly, recording it. For the younger audience listening, I don't think they realized how big of a deal it was for Boys and Men was enormous. I mean, they had broken billboard records up to this point. Mariah Carey dominated the 90s. She dominated some of the 80s. She broke billboard records. So these two groups like Mariah and then Boys to Men teaming up was enormous. And the big thing about this was it had a physical connection, especially for Mariah Carey, because it was a song that she wrote with Boys to Men after her friend and past collaborator David Cole of CNC Music Factory died of AIDS. And it's also her sister was diagnosed with HIV. Now, guys, for you younger folks in there, in the 80s and 90s, HIV and AIDS were just oh, it's so scary and astronomical. Scared the shit out of me. And all of you know how overprotective my mom was about you got to like cut watch out watch out what, 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 what. it was crazy but at the time it was fucking frightening because Magic Johnson had the news yeah. conference but a lot of these songs back then had a lot of like AIDS and yeah George Michael HIV TLC wore the condoms on their clothes yeah. as a state like yes but once again this was nominated for best pop collab it was record of the year best R&V video at the MTV Awards it was gigantic I'm gonna say you could have got this much much later in the draft because it did not appear on my list no, no. on my big boards you probably could have got this in like the 15th round <laughs> but you're opening the door because my pick is in but i'm thinking definitive here we go it could still be definitive and and get picked later it's, it's not an order of definitive See, i'm so. taking this like an nfl draft i can't help you it. just took a, a depth pick at three overall Fonte mac no and matter you're what allow yes there you go and you're allowing me to get maybe the definitive song of the 90s at number four overall Britney Spears, Baby One More Time, 1999, written by Swedish pop music powerhouse Max Martin, one of the best-selling singles of all time, over 10 million copies worldwide. Rolling Stone named it the greatest 
debut single of all time. Brittany was talking to famous piece of shit. I didn't know this. Famous piece of shit. She was talking to famous piece of shit, (laughs) Lou Pearlman, about joining a female pop group called Innocence. But thankfully, a family friend of hers was an entertainment lawyer. And he basically was like, wait, don't do that. And he was like, let's see if there's anything there. So they recorded a demo. He started shopping a demo of Britney Spears cover songs covering other bands to record labels. Most of them, it's funny because most of them came back and were like, there's never going to be another Debbie Gibson. There'll never be another Tiffany. Solo acts are dead. You should join a group. Except Jive Records were like, we want to see it. Let's make it happen. And the A&R president of Jive Records introduced Britney to Max Martin and Hoocha 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 Lobster. Hoocha 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 Lobster. We get <laughs> great reference. Baby, one more time. The juggernaut that kind of changed everything right at the end of the decade. I remember lifting weights in my garage, listening to Hot 101, and Baby, one more time would be on. I remember just being like the biggest thing. I can remember the first time I saw that music video. I'm like, oh my God. This is like a revelation. Being a 16, 17 year old, I was like, good God. And I saw Britney Spears in concert in 2003 on the I'm a Slave for You tour. Wow. And I'm glad. Britney's free now. She loves to just go dance crazy now. Now, did you hear that there is a bit of a conspiracy with one of her Instagram live videos? No. Because when she was dancing, there was this like, you capture a frame real quick, her face changes and it's Jamie Lynn Spears. So now it's talking about like, that's not Britney dancing. That's actually Jamie Lynn Spears. for wrestling? I'm like, are we deep faking Britney going crazy dancing now? What the fuck are we doing here, people? Just make it all the time. Yeah. And leave Britney alone. Hey, I love Britney. She'll always be one of my favorites. Speaking of Britney, she was number eight on my big board. She's now off. I have my pick calling up to the commissioner. With my third pick, Team Jim selects in a definitive 90s music draft. I want it that way. Backstreet Boys off Millennium 1999. At one point, this was ranked number 10 as the greatest song of all time, according to Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. Number 10, folks, initially. It has now come back a little bit. It is now 240th on Rolling Stone's 500 greatest songs of all time. Their signature song, yeah. they just do it in like a fucking dishwashing yeah, soap commercial. Like a, yeah, paper towel commercial or something. And here's my thing. I was more of an in-sync guy than I was Backstreet Boys. But this song, I knew my kids love this song working in kitchens and being criticized for me, like in pop music from guys like you got to fucking like Papa Roach, man, fucking Limp Bizkit, corn, that stuff. (laughs) And next thing you know, I'll catch the same guys. I want it that way. Comes on the radio and they're singing it. This song had such crossover appeal that more songs nowadays do. But at the time you were a boy band and you were thrown into one fucking corner of the room and you know exactly what that corner is. But I fucking love the song. It is phenomenal, nominated for numerous awards. And this album, I mean, this song and this album catapulted Millennium into the stratosphere. It was always in sync backstreet, in sync backstreet. But man, what can you say about I Want It That Way that hasn't been said it before? One of the greatest songs of all time. Many of these songs we've mentioned already, it just doesn't go away. It's still in in commercials and movies and and stuff. And like, it's just, it's timeless. It's never going to go away. This song came out nearly 25 years ago. Think about that. All right, Kevin, you got your next pick ready? Yep. Pick is in. With the seventh overall pick 
in the definitive 90s draft. I'm going with Radiohead Creep. Okay, interesting. In ways, it can be argued that Radiohead was the band of the 90s, and it all started with Creep in 1993 off the album Pablo Honey. It didn't really sound like anything else. It's it did, very different. It did not sound like grunge. It didn't sound like metal or, or any traditional rock and roll. It was kind of its own thing, and Tom York... Interesting looking fella. And an interesting fella indeed. Because like, is he British or American? Like everything about it was like mysterious and different. It was an enormous song that's been covered a billion times. To double down on the notion that they were the band of the 90s, check out some of the names on this guest list from a show at Irving Plaza in New York in the 90s. These are VIP guests allowed on the guest list. The Beastie Boys, Blur, Lenny Kravitz, Courtney Love, Madonna, Marilyn Manson, Dave Matthews, Eddie Vedder, and Mike McCready of Pearl Jam, Kate Moss, Oasis, which Blur and Oasis hated each other, so it's weird that they were both there, Brad Pitt, R.E.M., Rick Rubin, Russell Simmons was there. What? Jill Sobule, U2, all got guest passes to this show in the 90s at, at Irving Plaza for Radiohead. I mean, they were creating this buzz. And then the interesting thing about Radiohead... I don't think another one of their songs are going to appear. It could because they had others, but just when like they did this thing with creep that was new, then they gave you like paranoid Android and they pretty much flipped the script and they're still making music. I mean, they're still doing interesting things, but like creep is, I always think now it's like so weird. There'll be like, what's that singing show? No, the voice. Yeah. There'll be like, which one? Yeah. Right. But there'll be like kids who are like, I'm doing creep by Radiohead. And I'm like, that song's, you know, 30 there's, years old. There's been some amazing covers of creep yes. that are haunting. Yeah. Creep's a great song. I wasn't the biggest Radiohead fan, but that song is fantastic. Okay. The seventh overall pick. Getting my first rap song on the board. Nothing but a G thing. Dr. Dre featuring Snoop Dogg off the chronic 1993. I had it in the same spot. That was my next. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Your personal four overall. Now at the time being 12 years old, having to kind of listen to this song without my mom knowing was a challenge, (laughs) but holy shit. Was it a revelation? Now at this time, there was other songs for Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. And I was going back and forth. almost gin or juice or this. It reached number two two on the Billboard Top 100. It didn't get to number one because Snow's Informer oh, was no. number one. Oh, Could it no. be on one of our definitive oh, lists? No. I don't know. Yeah. Keep listening to find out. But it was selected by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I don't think it should be called a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It should be just called a Music Hall of Fame. Yeah. Music Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Pop Music Hall of Fame. Like, something. It's something, yeah. Call it something else. But it's one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Is nothing but a G thing. Mm-hmm. Shaped music. Holy shit. When this song came out and and you can't separate the, oh, the song and the video you the can't. video is the cookout and they're playing volleyball it's and they the pull that girl's top open which is a salt brother yeah but uh it used the sample from leon haywood's i want to do something freaky to you and then like dre and snoops dre's production with basically snoops flow dre was an okay rapper but he yeah. wasn't snoop and it's really the reason that gangster rap and then like rap in general dominated music in the 90s like if not for this song like maybe tupac doesn't 
doesn't really exist. I mean, it, it definitely gave them a platform. It definitely pissed off Washington. It did. And, and NWA existed prior to this. Yeah. But like NWA was never mainstream. The only reason they were mainstream is because of the parental advisory Tipper Gore thing. Well, and the police song yes, kind of right. really set so, off bells. But yeah. those were mainstream for that reason, for the controversy. Nothing but a G thing was like, okay, we've now got white youth listening to gangster rap about something they can't even begin to understand. I love how they called it gangster rap. I didn't find it gangster. All it was just people in their fucking backyards enjoying a barbecue, listening to some good fucking music, man. That's all it was. XXL magazine named it the hip hop song of the decade. So it's an appropriate place for it. Seven overall. Yeah, seven overall. All right. My pick is in for the eighth overall. We have our first controversial pick. Oh. That you might throw something at me. <laughs> I'm going Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. Oh! One of the highest selling singles of all time. Over wow. 14 million copies sold. By 2022, the song alone had netted. How much money do you think Mariah Carey's made in royalties from this song? $100 million. $80 million. Jesus over $80, $80 million in royalties for this one song alone. And when you don't even consider she has 10, 15 other hits. You it's know? crazy. But basically, the funny thing is, her husband at the time, Tommy Matola. Who was like, what, was he a record executive or He's whatever? He's a record exec, yeah. He was trying to push this Christmas album on her. And they were the label was trying to say, like, well, only people whose careers are struggling make Christmas albums. Like people yeah. who are still relevant don't make Christmas albums. So he was pushing for it. And get this holy shit fact. It took 15 minutes to write and compose. 15 minutes is all it took. The song is also the slowest climb to number one, reaching number one after being on the charts for 35 consecutive weeks Jesus. so it stayed on the charts for 35 consecutive weeks and then finally made it to number one i have a bit of a controversial one here myself actually i think it'll be more controversial than yours than to be quite honest with you so my pick is in <laughs> the ninth overall my fifth selection for team jim in the 1990 definitive music draft get ready kevin Stay, I Missed You, Lisa Loeb, off the album Tales slash the Reality Bite soundtrack, 1994. I went back and forth with this song. At one point, I had this where it is at fifth on my board. At one point, I have it unranked. At one point, I had it 11th. To me, this is one of the most definitive songs of the 1990s. It went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It went crazy all around the world. It finished runner-up to All For One's I Swear for a Grammy for Best Pop Performance. When you think 90s, you have that picture of Lisa Loeb doing the music video and her just rocking out Lisa Loeb still I, looks amazing I, to me I kind of I, I agree with this one actually because like I didn't think you would I, I do it's not definitive in that it didn't sell 10 million copies it didn't it didn't launch her career it didn't do any of those things but there's something just so time period about yeah. it like it absolutely is early 90s it just that song feels weird in general because people don't talk like that she says the line which like I talk so all the time so like what people don't talk like that it's so weird how it was written and the other thing about stay that i found quite in 
incredible was she was the first artist to top the U.S. chart before signing to any record label. So she got to number one independently and she was the first to ever do that. Now it's probably commonplace because everybody puts their songs on TikTok or whatever and there's just boom, let's get them now. Well, number one. So the funny thing about that fact is like Lisa Loeb never really did anything else. I mean, she had a reality show and stuff, but like as far as music success, so some record label, you know, like a, like a stack. Yeah. Bought the, the magic beans that did yeah. not grow <laughs> into anything. And so. she got it. So Lisa Loeb, number nine overall. All right. Pick is in. Torn between two, but I'm going to go Metallica Enter Sandman. Okay. From 1991. Good call. Was not supposed to be the single off their self-titled album. It was our buddy Lars Ulrich who zoned it. He zoned it, man. Come on. What the fuck? And he went to war and argued for Enter Sandman to be the single, which was supposed to be the track Holier Than Thou. He was right. The album God. The album went on to sell over 30 million copies off the strength of Enter Sandman. Black album. Which is still, it was self-titled album. It's always called the black album it's still being played at sporting events like it ruined hetfield's voice it did it's (laughs) it's, yeah it's just it's still everywhere yeah it is everywhere and the sandman i was just gonna mention (laughs) (laughs) what's my gimmick can you wrestle i guess i can uh we'll just call you the sandman you like metallica okay that works i think metallica is ingrained into the 90s but mostly because of inner sandman it is because there's stuff before that album hetfield sounds so different yeah well there's a lot of songs I noticed on this list that represented like a transition for the artist from I'm sure she'll come up like Alanis Morissette. Yeah. She had released two albums that were like bubblegum pop and then she like wanted to venture more into like alternative to try and make it in the States. But that's how Metallica was like before this album they were like I think the previous album to that was Injustice for All. It was. And they were like a thrash band and then they went from thrash to like a more mainstream digestible. Not that I understand man at the time was digestible. No. Like, like nothing but a G thing, gangster rap in the mainstream. This took metal to the mainstream. It wasn't rock and roll. No, it was metal. It was metal. But like you said before that and before Injustice for All, like Ride the Lightning, their first album, Kill Em All, that's thrash. Yeah. They're a very thrash metal band. So going polar opposite, staying in the mid 90s, my pick is in. <laughs> Waterfalls TLC off Crazy Sexy Cool 1995 and we brought it up earlier when I talked about One Sweet Day my second overall pick song about HIV song about AIDS it's one of the most iconic music videos of all time the three of them standing on water and they went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 it was their second number one it ended number two overall for the year it was nominated for the Grammy in 96 for record of the year best pop performance initially I had them completely off my list off my top 15 and I'm like I can't have them off my list I'm not gonna pick it now but I had no scrubs which yeah I think financially was their most successful song it was but I mean I have no issues whatsoever swapping out no scrubs for waterfalls because I originally had waterfalls on my list but I was like no scrubs made more money started higher I think was more successful it's iconic TLC still I was watching something the other day and they were we're gonna have a performance by TLC and I'm like you mean TC because like, TNC. How are they still doing, doing it? You know what I mean? Well, it's like this summer I'm going to that Pop 2000 tour and like LFO's there and it's just the one guy. And I feel bad because both of his buddies both died.
died of cancer, yeah. but he's still doing it. I'm like, it's going to be interesting. Uh, good for him. I, you know, I feel bad, but I'm like, yeah. Do they t- just, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not trying to be like yeah. a dick right now, but like when the LFO guy plays, is it just going to be a backing track or like he's going to sing his part and then dance and then they're just going to like play the other parts over the PA? I'm pleading ignorance here because I don't know if he was like the rapper of the group yeah. and not really the singer per se, because I, I know Rich Cronin, he was the lead, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But when it comes to TLC, 90s definitive, you need TLC on a list. All right. The 12th overall pick is in. I'm going to one of the biggest songs of all time. Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. Yep. This was once on my list and I eliminated it. 1992, the reason you eliminated it is a Dolly Parton cover. Whitney covered it for the soundtrack to The Bodyguard, which she also started with Kevin Costner. This is interesting. Originally, Whitney Houston was was not supposed to record I Will Always Love You. She was supposed to record What Becomes of the Brokenhearted. But that got nixed when they used What Becomes of the Brokenhearted in the movie Friday green tomatoes that's right so kevin costner suggested i will always love you but he played whitney houston the linda ronstadt version which nothing wrong with that linda ronstadt's awesome but uh a lot of publications consider it one of the greatest songs of all time not just the 90s ever and i mean it is iconic i mean it is whitney was iconic in the 90s and the late 80s and this is the definitive whitney in the 90s whitney houston i will always love you All right. Excellent pick. You have to have that on the 90s. I'm glad you took it because I kind of felt bad taking it off my list. I'm glad you kept it on your list. We are up to pick 13, almost halfway there. Okay. 13th overall, my seventh selection. I'm ready. Wonderwall Oasis, uh, What's the Story, Morning Glory, 1995. It was coming up for me soon. Yeah. Oasis was the second coming of the Beatles, the secondary British invasion. Holy shit, when this song hit. The video alone, it's the most basic music video ever. It's You see Noel and Liam, two interesting chaps, very interesting looking fellows. One of the most incredible songs of all time. It only got to number five here, but it became the first song from the 90s to reach 1 billion yeah. streams on yep. Spotify. That is huge. I yeah, mean, what can um, you think th- about it? If this band, if these brothers could have kept their shit together, they probably could have had better staying power. Oh, for sure. It was originally titled Wishing Stone. It was written by Noel Gallagher for his then girlfriend and later wife. And I'm pretty sure that the other Gallagher brother hated it. I could be wrong on that, but they I'm hated pretty each sure. Other, they well, they hated, hated each other, but I'm pretty sure that he was like, Wonderwall ain't no fucking song. Did you ever have now I can remember when Don't Look Back in Anger came out and it was Noel on the lead. I kind of preferred Noel's voice. I didn't know the difference. And Liam. I didn't know. I was a big Oasis fan at the time. 14 overall for Team Kevin. Just waiting on his pick announcement. All right. The pick is in. Torn between two because I don't want you to take my next one, but I'm still okay. going to go with my original plan. And I am going all for one. I swear. Nice. We have talked about these (laughs) chuds for lack of a better term. (laughs) No offense. They feel like they were all cast offs from other boy bands. They were not an attractive group of men. I always thought that John Michael Montgomery country version was a knockoff of all for ones, but it actually was the original John Michael Montgomery's. I swear was released in 1993. (laughs) 
All for One's version was released in 1994. Billboard calls it one of the top 100 songs of all time, was number one on the U.S. Billboard Top 100 for 11 weeks. And if you've ever been to a wedding. Oh, my God. You know. I did over 100 of those damn things. I swear by the moon and the scars. The moon moon and the scars. I love the moon and the scars. swear by the moon and its scars. I'll be there. (laughs) That sounds like a really deep emo book. The moon and its scars. The moon and its scars. I'm writing it. Dude, write it down. Trademark it. Don't fucking steal it, anybody. Moon in the scars. Coming up to the 15th pick, halfway through the draft. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. So, with the 15th pick in a definitive 90s draft, I select Baby Got Back, Sir Mix a Lot, Mac Daddy, 1992. Speaking of weddings, when the beer starts flowing and the booze is running, the asses start shaking. I remember getting this on cassette as a kid. My mom thought it was uh, a funny, fun songs. She didn't see the parental advisory logo on it because the song right after this was Seattle ain't bullshit. And boy, that was a fucking mind fuck. But this song, I consider it the kickoff of what became twerking the yeah, the yes. thick army. Which, how this was considered so controversial. Yeah. There were butts in the video and, and, and things, you know, he's sitting on a giant butt and people were so outraged. It's like, wait 20 years, yeah, first wait of all, 30 years. Never said ass, never no. said anything inappropriate. It was always about butt. Yep. Here's the thing. Debuted at 75. 12 weeks later, went to number one. Yeah. So in 12 weeks, people loved it. Singles flew off the goddamn charts. It was ranked 17th by VH1 as one of the 100 greatest songs of hip hop. It was the second best selling song behind End of the Road by Boys to Men in 92. And you ask any 45 to 55 year old woman at a wedding after two PBRs and a mixed drink, she's going to act like she has the thickest ass of the ball and is going <laughs> to grind right up on your groin yes all right the 15th overall pick is in i am selecting hootie and the blowfish only want to be with you i'm glad you picked this because hootie honestly dominated the u.s radio for an entire year from july of 94 to july of 95 with multiple singles off their album cracked Rearview." one of the best albums of the 1990s only want to be with you was their biggest hit which is why i chose it although i think let her cry is my favorite i always like time time's, time's See, great so i think everybody's probably got a favorite only want to be with you again their biggest hit so i chose that a funny tidbit about the song is that the chorus used the lyric tangled up in blue in reference to bob dylan the publishing company bob dylan's publishing company allowed it they had no problem with it that is until the song became an enormous hit of course and then your buddy bob dylan not mine but fuck that guy had a big problem with it i have a problem and they (laughs) they settled out of court for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars my Mind you. Yeah. Did not sample it. Nope. Did not like all they did was literally use the words tangled up in blue. Do you think Darius Rucker looked at Bob Dylan when you and me, yeah. we come from different worlds. You and me. <laughs> Fucking a, a Bob fu- Dylan. Fun music video. Dan Marino's Dan in Marino, it. <laughs> and I think Darius Rucker, who went on to, to have a successful country career. Yeah. Go um, figure. I think he basically was like, he did the Adam Sandler thing. And he's like, listen, we're on top of the world right now. We can pretty much do whatever we want. Yeah. He he just used it as an, like, an excuse to go to a beautiful place. He's a huge Miami Dolphins fan. So he just like brought Dan Marino. <laughs> he brought his friends. They went to a beautiful place. I mean, it's the Adam Sandler thing. Like Adam Sandler's Pretty like, much. Hey, I want to make a movie in Hawaii with my friends. 
and he doesn't matter what the movie's about or if it's good because it's going to make a hundred million dollars and he's going to get to hang out in Hawaii with his friends. So, all right, before we go any further, we're at the halfway point. Let's kick it to commercial. Let's take a break. Want to spice up your summer? Win a week at the WMMR Taco Bell Beach House and a chance to win a trip to Cancun, Mexico. Sponsored by Taco Bell. Now open late. To register, just stop by any participating Taco Bell restaurant or send a postcard with your name, address, and daytime phone number to WMMR Taco Bell Beach House. P.O. Box 1767, Philadelphia, PA, 19106. From the station that reaches the beaches, 93.3 WMMR. You've made many friends on Thursday night. Now, meet Rachel. It's like all of my life, everyone has always told me, you're a shoe. You're a shoe. You're a shoe. You're a shoe. What if I don't want to be a shoe? What if I want to be a, a purse? You know, or, 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 or a hat? No, I don't want you to buy me a hat. I'm saying that I am a hat. It's a metaphor, Daddy. You can see where you'd have trouble. Friends, Thursdays this fall on NBC. All right, so we're at the halfway point. Jim, get us kicked into the second half with the 16th overall pick. All right, with my 16th overall pick. You can't touch this MC Hammer. Please, Hammer, don't hurt him. 1990, going very beginning of 1990. It won the Grammy for Best R&B, won the Grammy for Best Rap Solo. It was the first rap song to be nominated for a Grammy Award for Record of the Year in 1991. Won the MTV Award. It won the dance video. Eked at number one. This song was a juggernaut. And I hate to think that this song went to Hammer's head because I guess (laughs) it did because he dropped the MC and just became Hammer. Please, Hammer, don't hurt him. And he ended up fucking somewhat hurting his career because then Hammer did Too Legit to Quit, which is fucking amazing. But it was like a 15 minute long video. And at the time, it was the most expensive video ever fucking made. The parachute <laughs> pants, the dance. He riffed Super Freak by Rick James. When you think 1990 specifically, 1990, 91, cannot help but not to think MC Hammer. All right. The 17th overall pick is in. I was going to pick this in a few picks and I'm bumping it up just for the sake of the playlist. So they're back to back. Now, most of these picks, as we discussed, we're going to do an either or. So if there's two songs that are similar, well, I'm not going to name any picks until we get to them, but I'm going to pick it, even though it's going to take up spot and it's very similar. It's Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby. Okay. See, that's what I did. I had Ice Ice Baby. I switched it for this. So Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby, MC Hammer. It's kind of what I call like novelty rap. Um, They're synonymous. They're synonymous. They go hand in hand. I don't think they were even necessarily like direct in competition I think it only helped but like Vanilla Ice 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 Baby the first hip hop single to chart was it first to, to go number one or first to yeah. chart on the billboard straight up stole the bass line from Queen and David Bowie's Under Pressure Kev it's not the same his ding 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 Ding, ding, ding. That's the way theirs goes. Ours goes ding, 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 That little bitty change. It's not the same. Because he stole that bass line, it had this instant familiarity to audiences, which really influenced like sampling. Oh, Because 
how helpful is sampling now to basically do like we just talked about baby got back with baby got back you have Nicki minaj did anaconda so when you do something like that you just you have an in because you have that instant familiarity so he, he took the baseline from under pressure it didn't hurt that i think audiences at this time were begging for like a new sound he was a white rapper he was a, a photogenic white boy with over-the-top cultural appropriation and it was definitely a novelty but that never stopped a number of 90s hits this one again still has not gone away commercials movies cartoons weddings everywhere you go it's still here also don't forget about vanilla ice suge knight held him out a window yeah was he not signed to death row i don't know it was really close but yeah suge knight almost killed vanilla ice god forbid we would have lost out on the dirt bike career that he ever so wanted so my next pick in the definitive 90s draft 19 overall pick is in You ought to know, Alanis said, Jagged yes. Little Pill, 1996. Holy shit, did she come out of left field and proved that females could still fucking rock and still be mad at Dave Coulier, apparently, because this song was about fucking laying Maybe. into Dave yeah. Coulier. Oh my God. Never forget running out to NRM and buying this song. She just had this fucking just this first song had just so much well, anger it's like i said early she had two albums already in canada her first album went like gold or platinum yeah. in canada and then they they wanted her to cross over into the u.s so she basically changed from bubblegum pop to alternative or what they considered alternative but like you ought to know was like the perfect first track to spark that transition because it did get alternative radio play. it did k-rock gave her her first shot here yes, in the states in la right basically the the label started they listened to the album and they were like well all we want to do is kind of make our money back and move enough units and then but basically yeah k-rock in la said they started playing a bunch yeah. of the rest of history interesting thing about you ought to know is on the track dave navarro flea sausage <laughs> dave navarro <laughs> Um, was sausage sausage, sausage played was drums? Uh, actually, awesome. No. Taylor Hawkins played drums. Who? Yeah. Foo Fighters fame. Rest in peace. He used to be Alanis Morissette's drummer. I remember. I wasn't the biggest Alanis fan, but do you remember with Jagged Little Pill? It would not go away. It's like how many singles does this album have? And then fucking ironic came out, yes, and it was more popular like, than this. It just kept coming. It wasn't stopping. It was insane. <laughs> it's like I get to pump, and I just come everywhere. Just come. See, here's the thing. I almost almost had ironic here at the spot but i figured that without you ought to know nobody's gonna know ironic so that's why i went with you ought to know kick ass alanis we still love you then she went down weird paths with some interesting like that thank you song which i want to slam my head through a concrete oh, wall that one was bad i did not like that hey, yes, hey, yes, all right uh my pick is in number 20 Uh, uh oh! I'm going <laughs> great start. <laughs> oh fuck! I'm going Madonna Vogue. Wow. Ninety. Okay. So I had a problem with it. I've never really been a Madonna fan. Neither have I. And I was never a fan of this song, but I have to reluctantly pick it because I have to recognize its importance of bringing elements of the underground gay club scene to the mainstream. It did. Not only that, but it really introduced house music to the mainstream, which was like a disco revival sort of at the time. And it has been honestly an influential track ever since on the gay community drag 
swag, gay club scene, great music video by David Fincher. Again, this is where you separate the bias because I don't like Madonna, but like, how do we have this list and not put on Madonna's Vogue? So I took one for the team. It had to be on the list. (laughs) Well, at one point, and I have her on my big board, but I preferred slow Madonna. Like this used to be my playground. And then the one from with honors, I'll remember. Yeah. But I was like, that can't make my 15. I'm actually glad you took Madonna. I think that's a smart. I just had, you had to super smart. All right. And with that pick, we are now two thirds of the way through. We're going to take our final break and come back with the final 10 picks of the Definities 90s. I'm getting nervous because I have, I'm looking at my list. I have a bunch of stuff. (laughs) I still want to talk about. (laughs) We're going to piss off. And I'm like, Oh man, it's so hard. I I wasn't really having a problem. And then remember when we initially did this, you were like, Hey, let's, let's do 10. Yeah. And then my initial thing was let's do 30 each. And you're like, it could be a three hour podcast. Do a thousand songs. (laughs) Uh, But I'm having a hard time deciding what my final five picks are. So let's go to break. And then we're going to find out which five each 10 total picks are still left on the other side. Stay tuned. After these messages, we'll be right back. It takes hard work to get to the Olympic Games, but you could get there with no sweat. Win a trip for two with a Blockbuster video passport to Barcelona. Pick up your passport at Blockbuster. Every time you rent a movie, we'll punch it. After six punches, get the next rental free. Then enter to win. Enter as often as you want, because the more movies you rent, the better shape you'll be in to win a trip to the Olympic Games. So run into Blockbuster Video and get your passport to Barcelona today. He's the epitome of evil. And he's on the prowl in the third dimension. It's Wario. The diabolical one has gone 3D, where evil runs deep and danger comes out of nowhere in the most incredible adventure ever seen on Virtual Boy. It's Wario Land, a 3D game for a 3D world. Wait till they get a load of me! song does she thank you Tyler. at one point does she say thank you siam i'm like siam hasn't existed for years is that or is uh, it silence thank you silence thank you science is that the video where she's naked what was the video where she was naked and people were grossed out and i'm pretty sure it ended uh, elena's more you know what i'm talking about yeah i maybe, where she's like walking through one? the subway and she's naked yeah and uh, i don't know if it was blurred out i don't know well Welcome back, Pool Seniors. Here we go. Going to take it all the way to the end here in our definitive 90s music draft as we're coming up on pick number 21 overall. All right, 21. It is my selection. And calling up to the commissioner, it is in. We had a good day. This is how we do it. Montel Jordan off the album. This is how we do it. 1995. See, this is where I waffled. I texted you last night. You kind of gave me an indirect nod. I had No Diggity by Blackstreet. Yeah. I swapped it out for this. I feel like No Diggity, This Is How We Do It, and Return of the Mac. Yeah. Are all iconic. All great songs. They are. All worthy of being on this list, but not all three. You kind of have to choose. Return of the 
Mac. Love it. It's super niche. No diggity is great to like get down song. But this song to me, DJing like I did for a decade, people went nuts for it. They loved it. It came out of nowhere for Montel Jordan. It was awesome. And speaking of Madonna, like you previously selected, this dethroned it at number one off Madonna's Take a Bow. Okay. Speaking of another slow Madonna bow. song. Is it because six, eight, he stood? <laughs> He was a tall motherfucker. A tall drink of glass is my grandmother. It was actually, I am so happy you picked it because it made my final, because I'm like, I'm struggling here. I probably have 10 songs I have notes on where I'm like, I want to make sure we talk about them, but if I, I don't necessarily want to pick them. Montel Jordan, Def Jam Records. It was Def Jam's first R&B released, produced by Teddy Riley of, of Black Street, Street, sampling Slick Rick's children's story and Bob James' Nautilus. And as you said, it surpassed Madonna's Take a Bow to reach number one. It's nominated. Sold over a million copies. And it's still fucking it's slaps. Another one. They're pissing on our childhood because it's in <laughs> every... It's currently in a commercial. Oh, but it's, yeah. What Whatever commercial it's for now, it's a stretch because there's like a lot of extra syllables and like trying to do the square peg round hole, but whatever. Montel Jordan just cashing the check. Milking the fuck out of it. Pick is in. Let's go to the commissioner. Number 22 overall. I skipped over a couple picks to go with this because I just saw it. It felt right. And the 22 and the repetitiveness. Goo Goo Dolls. Iris. Okay. So I'm going goo goo at 22. Interesting. 1998 from the city of angels soundtrack. You got with that DVD player, your parents bought. You did. And the lyrics were literally like, everybody thinks this is such like an amazing deep song. The lyrics were literally written about the character in the movie who was like an angel willing to give up his immortality to feel human. Was that Nick Cage and Meg Ryan? Yep. Nick Cage and, and Meg Ryan. 18 weeks at number one on the hot 100 airplay chart, but it actually was not allowed on the Billboard Top 100 chart because there had been no commercial single released. How fucking stupid is that? Well, it is stupid because they actually changed the rule because of the song. The Iris rule. Because this song was everywhere. It was unstoppable. And But it couldn't be on the Billboard chart. I'm pretty so sure this was it. number one on 107.9. So by the time they changed the rule, they allowed Iris to chart. It peaked at number nine. Stayed on the charts for 14 more weeks it went septuple platinum seven times platinum holy shit yeah it sold a lot of records and a lot of dvds and it would have been number one again for a long time but they would not allow it because it wasn't technically released as a single you had to buy that fucking nick cage (laughs) soundtrack do you think Iris had that possibility of breaking the one sweet day record at 16 straight weeks. I bet it would. I mean, seven times platinum. Like I bet it would have approached it. It would have been in the ballpark. All right. Next pick. Number 23. Odd number. The Jordan spot here at number 23. My 12th pick overall. All the small things, Blink-182, Enema of the State, 1999. I almost put Damn It here, but I went with this one because I obviously you have to. Damn It is amazing, but 
all the small things. Damn, it was not mainstream. No. I mean, it's a it's used in movies and all kinds of stuff, but it, it was not the cultural significance Rock, of all the small punk, things. Rock, punk, pop, crossover appeal three ways. It mocked everything that was popular at the time, but did it in a good way. It only got to number six overall, which is surprising. However, it's in fucking Rolling Stone's top 100 songs of all time. It made the 1,001. There's a book, Kevin, called The 1,001 Songs You Must Hear Before You Die. This is in it, which is interesting like a thousand and one why could they have not why that one asshole could you say eliminate that fucking song we'll get rid of that one. eliminate iris all right we're fine move on but this one released 13 days before my 18th birthday and then it was on trl it came on trl and it went from like 10 to 3 to 1 fuck you backstreet fuck you britney fuck you corn yeah. and well, then blink stratosphere and we've got a, a few of these songs that are like nothing but a g thing gangster rap yeah. on the mainstream and you know metallic energy Sandman, metal in the mainstream. All the small things was the introduction of pop punk to the mainstream. It was. Because after this, you know, we're, we're doing this pop punk and emo revival tours and cruises. Blink-182's and, and and all, all back stuff. together and again. Blink-182's back together. Probably this song. I mean, this song or I think this was the first Blink single to really blow up. Smash, right? yeah. Yeah. But don't you remember there was like original Blink fans that were like, Cheshire Cat, what is this? This isn't Blink-182 yeah. anymore. This is I don't know Buddha. this band. Yeah. Fuck we'll them. Say. All right, let's go to the 24th overall pick. 24th overall pick from 1994, Nine Inch Nails, Closer. Very good pick. How did a song with the chorus, I want to fuck you like an animal, get so much radio play? Because that song was on the radio all the time. That hook. It's also a song about self-hatred and obsession, but like it still appears, it's such dark content, but it still appears on so many greatest songs of all time lists. Probably the definitive Nine Inch Nails song. I mean, it was one of the only, if not the only, commercially successful Nine Inch Nails song. But Nine Inch Nails, absolutely a band that was everywhere, dominated the early days of Hot Topic, introduced industrial music to yeah. the mainstream because the mainstream audience didn't know there was such a thing as industrial music. Remember when Hot Topic was that store that was specifically for that sect of people, like goth yes. fans, metal, grunge, and now it's just go get Anime your wrestling shirts. Yeah, it's all it is. No. Yeah. I guess, but with everything, you kind of have to evolve with time to be sustainable. I get it. It's business. My next one, number 25 overall. Let's throw it to the commissioner. And you can't think 1990s without thinking dance. Yes. In my opinion. I was getting there. The definitive one. Gonna make you sweat. Everybody dance now. CNC Music Factory, Martha Wash. Gonna make you sweat. 1990. It's hard for me because I really was into, and I still am, the Euro dance craze of the 1990s. Which dance till you can't dance till you can't dance no more. It's fucking crazy between, like, I was like, do I put Eiffel 65 on here? LaBouche, Hathaway. I don't know, but it all goes back to this one. And it was the one that emphasized, like, the early 90s dance. And I always thought Martha 
Martha Wash never got her fair share when she was a member of the Weather Girls, and she never got proper music videos because at that time in MTV, being overweight was a not a good oh, look no, for them no. at all. Martha Wash could fucking belt. Like, she had a voice on her like no other, and she finally got her dues with CNC Music sort of. Factory, sort of. Was it featured in the video, Sang as I said before? Got the hook. Talk about crossover appeal. It was the top spot on the Billboard Hot Dance Club play chart. Billboard had a fucking chart for everything. Like, what made this song unique, too? It topped the Billboard Hot 100 for two weeks in 1991. It topped the charts all across the world. Needs to say, in Europe, blew the fuck up. And still to this day, it's iconic. Everybody hears the song. You're going to hear this at probably every sporting event you ever attend. It is definitive. Iconic. I have six songs left on my big board that I fleshed out with some notes. Everything else is just a list. So if I got into that portion of my list, I'd have to just make up, you know, the notes on the fly. But I have six songs left on my big board and three of them are dance songs (laughs) because we're getting to the dance portion of Definitive 90s. That's a hard thing with us doing the top 15. Now, I'm the idiot. My big board is 196 songs. I had to narrow it down to 15. This had to make this list, no yes. doubt in my mind. So at number 26, I am going dance. So let's turn the card in. Song I've talked about a million times on this podcast, Ace of Bass, The Sign. Oh, yes. Billboard's top ranked song of 1994. Sign, sign. Produced by Dennis Pop, which was the Dennis. mentor to Max Martin that did Baby One More Time. Basically, those Swedes in a studio somewhere figured they cracked the code to pop music. I would say so. They literally found the formula. Max Martin went on to do literally, if we go beyond the 90s, all of the biggest songs of all time were Max Martin, like Katy yeah. Perry Roar, Max Martin. I think Katy Perry Fireworks, Max Martin. Dennis Pop, his mentor who died, unfortunately, of cancer. Any boy band, Max any boy, any boy band, Max Martin. But those Swedes took a Swedish group, Ace of Bass, pretty much turned the sign into a tailor-made pop music radio smash hit. And I always have the Mandala effect because I remember Ace of Bass being just the blonde girl. And then yeah. the dark-haired girl, the brunette, sings most of the song. And then it's so weird to me because I'm like, I don't remember there being two of them. It's crazy. When we finally get done with it, we can have a separate podcast for honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. And I do want to mention a couple when we get there. Yeah. I want to mention a couple that were like right on the cusp that almost made it. But until then, Jim, we're up the number 27th. So my 27th, my yep. 14th overall selection for Team Jim. I select. Semi-Charmed Life, Third Eye Blind, off their self-titled album in 1997. When you think of late 90s MTV, I'm speaking real world, road rules. This song was in heavy airplay. I remember it causing a stir on the radio because they do the crystal meth and the panties line. Yeah, which the whole song edited. is about crystal meth. That's all it is, but they edited it out and it made no sense. And then later on, like it only got to number four. I shouldn't say it only got to number four. Anybody wouldn't have to have a number four charted song. It was a top 40 hit in six countries. It was certified gold. And here's the thing, like later on, the guitarist tried to take 
take credit for writing the song over Stephen Jenkins, which caused a riff in the band. It ended up in court, ended up getting thrown out in court. Stephen Jenkins joined Marky Mark's band and Rockstar. He did, but he was that fucking knockoff band, but he ended up bringing his own stack, man. Mm. How can you not think 90s? There's definitely a group of songs within or a group of bands like Third Eye Blind, Smash Mouth. You can get a whole list of them here in the late 90s, but I think this one stuck out the most by far. Uh, This is another one. I mentioned it earlier that I am not like with Lisa Loeb. I am not mad at it all. Yeah. Because again, when it comes to album sales or anything like that, it wasn't up there with some of the other ones, but something inherently 90s about it in its bones that just is unavoidable. It was a a juggernaut in the 90s. It was on the radio. Just felt like the 90s. I agree. All right. I have two picks left. You have one pick left. Let's get to my first of my two final picks. Having a really hard time here because I don't want to leave. It's rough off, but I am going the Fugees killing me softly. I'm glad you put it on your list. 1996, one of the highest selling songs of all time in the UK was obviously also a big hit here. It was never released here, but (laughs) it was I'm going all UK, brother. (laughs) It's a Roberta Flack cover. It's off the Fugees second album, The Score. And it was actually the least known member of the Fugees, Proswell, Pros, who was like, you should check out this song. We should cover it. And they wanted to change the lyrics and like make the song about something altogether different and the original writers of the song for Roberta Flack were like no you can't you can cover it yeah you can add samples the lyrics stay exactly the same and I wonder if that maybe has to do something with money in their pocket or I would assume they have to share future royalties or turned something. out great though yeah it turned out fantastic it won a bunch of awards I think it was at the MTV awards when Roberta Flack herself introduced them either to perform or for an award and she called them the fudgies it's not as bad as Adele Dazeem. Adele Dazeem. No, not as bad as Adele Dazeem, but the fuck. It's like they're making you relevant again because like how many people didn't know it was a cover? I would have a feeling that fucking Lauren Hill probably took a proclivity to that. Like you motherfucker. Yeah, the fudgies. The fudgies. Lauren Hill probably didn't show up until six hours after (laughs) the show started. It was just Wyclef singing her song. That's it. Wyclef managed to not ruin the song. No, because it was gone till November. It was gone till November. The kiss to my mother. <laughs> that song. Okay, let's talk about Gone Till November for two seconds. Yeah, it's a great song. He says in that song, if you don't wear condom, you might see Red Rob. <laughs> You're going to get murdered if you don't wear a condom. Red Rob is murder backwards. It is. So if you don't wear a condom or a condom, as condom. he calls it, <laughs> if you don't wear a condom, you might see Red Rob. Tell my cousin Jerry, wear his condom. If you don't wear condom, you see a Red Rob. Pool seniors, I have a challenge for you. I want you to go to a convenience store and ask them for condoms and see the reaction and let us know. Well, if you say, you know where I can get condom, they'll say, don't wear one. You might see red rom. If that fucking dude would say that to you, make that guy your best friend. Oh, and yeah. He is your Randall to your yeah. Dante. And, and when you leave, he goes and give a kiss to your mother. <laughs> My 15th pick, 29th overall in the definitive 90s draft. Commissioner. <laughs> This was hard at this very last spot. And I'm like, man, like I said, I'm almost 200 deep on my board, but I had to put something here. And this is a late edition right before the podcast, because at this time, there was a certain flavor of music that got hot. Live in La Vida Loca 
Ricky Martin, self-titled 1999. Blew up, went to number one in more than 20 countries. There was a Latin revival. Ricky Martin, Enrique Iglesias, Jennifer Lopez, everybody and their mother all of a sudden like, here we go. Santana comes back. Yeah. It was a wave like no other. And personal story, I think I brought this up on a podcast before. In high school, shout out to my buddy Brian Vaughn. We like to show up early in the parking lot. So we had our own spots for our cars. And we talked about, we saw this on MTV and we were like, you hear that Ricky Martin song? I was like, fucking awesome, right? I show up super early to work in my 1997 Plymouth Neon. I sang $3,000 into why? I don't know. Here he comes down the road slow. I'm like, what the hell? Is there something wrong with his car? He rolls down all his windows. All of a sudden I hear, she's in the superstition. He bought the single. This song was fucking awesome. It's still awesome. I don't care what anybody says. This was a song that triggered the Latin explosion in the late 90s. We just had this conversation because this past weekend, my daughter had a dance conversation competition in Akron. What do you call a robot from Ohio? Akron. Um, and she <laughs> not she Akon. So not Akon convict music. They do their studio production. Every kid in competitive dance at their dance studio dances to, they did a mega mash of Ricky Martin. And I think my daughter danced to the, she bangs portion of the, uh, <laughs> Will production. <Hung>? yes, to, <laughs> to William hung. And, uh, but we were talking about this because in, in long story short, they scored so highly on the dance and in one of her other dances that they got a golden ticket to go meet the Willy Wonka of New Jersey. Oh, great. They got, they got invited. So they're going to be a Grandpa Joe leeching they, off of them? That they got invited asshole. to the World Dance Championships. They qualified for the World Dance Championships. Nice. Yeah, except for it's going to cost me like $800 or something. <laughs> but anyway, so on the way home, the kids wanted to listen to Ricky Martin, and which we've been doing a lot of lately, listening to a lot of Ricky Martin. And me and Dana were basically saying, when Enrique Iglesias exists, if not, because like his dad was famous, Oh, it was Julio. My grandmother loved Julio Iglesias. So obviously Julio Iglesias existed, but if not for Ricky Martin, what of Enrique? I don't think he would have happened. Am I taking Live in La Vida Loca or Bailamos? I'm You're taking, taking Live in La Vida, Vida Loca. Loca. For sure. Or the rhythm divine. Okay. Yeah, don't let the rhythm take you over. The cup of life is another great, the fucking cup of life. Yeah. She banged. I mean, he's, he's got, he got that ballad with, she's Christine all Ag I ever had with Christine Aguilera. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the dude's got hits. Yeah. So I think it's totally fair. What year was living a V 1999. 99. Okay. So right there at the end of the decade. And yep. no, I'm stalling. If you can't notice, Oh, I can tell you're, I have oh. one final pick. There's like three songs. <laughs> I hate not having on my list, but I really, really, really don't want to leave off boys men's end of the road but we did do one sweet day so i feel like there's maybe an opportunity for three others i don't fucking know it's man. the worst i'm gonna go okay pick is in I'm going with probably, I hate myself for doing this, but it's bias aside, probably the most annoying song of the 90s, if not of all time. Going with Shares Believe. Ah, oh, I fucking hate that song. That song, and you hate that song because the auto tune? It was everywhere. And as Jim said, it was the song that pioneered auto tune. So they were working on auto tune as a, a pitch modulator to yeah. make everyone be in tune. But they sure couldn't sing anymore. But they, figured out how, but they figured out how to manipulate it, or at least that's how they sold it to make it sound a certain way. It sold over 11 million million copies was a number one song in 21 countries gave Cher another moment 33 years after her last number one song so she had number one songs 33 years apart that's crazy but that song god that's crazy just, if I can turn back time didn't get to number one yeah. wow what's well, because that weird 80s long ass 
It's a thong. It might have been nineties, early nineties. That was hot. Yeah, I just I'm like, that song was everywhere. And it became this like huge dance hit. It's featured prominently on the Ponderosa radio network, let me tell you. Ponderosa, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Um, did I say Ponderosa? You did say Ponderosa. It's a shrimp thing. Okay, let's uh so I mentioned Boys to Men, End of the Road. But let's talk about a couple. I don't want to go through a hundred songs, but I do want to say what were like the very next or like what did you have to Omit. Okay, I'll say real quickly my 16 through 20, which didn't make the cut, okay? You're still the one by Shania Twain. Okay. The impression that I get by Mighty Mighty Boston's because of the ska revival in the late 90s. So I had... Boys Man End of the Road, which yeah. I wanted to take like top 10. Yeah. And it was from the Boomerang soundtrack 92. It was written by Babyface. 13 weeks at number one, which was a record at the time until it was broken the next year by I Will Always Love You. Broke records, won Grammys, went platinum. Timeless. What more could you want? Exactly. Okay. Here's another one I definitely would have put on my list. Don't Speak No Doubt yes. was another yeah, juggernaut. I, I had it on there somewhere. And then finally, I would have said I had to have him on my list. I'd probably have to use this song. Two changes yeah changes or no i'm sorry california love california like, love changes was fine but i was like <laughs> sorry, I'm california. sorry i'm just reading my list um yeah a couple more brian adams everything i do i do it for you early 90s 91 from robin hood prince yeah, of thieves soundtrack written in 45 minutes with brian adams together with mutt lang tony braxton unbreak my heart written by diane warren delight groove is in the heart yeah that one i kind of had a hard time because there was like a technicality they started performing that song live in the late 80s but it wasn't actually recorded until 1990. See, that's why I almost did not take Hey Jealousy because it initially was debuted in 89. Well, the nice thing about Gin Blossoms is they have five like legitimate hits. And you would have hated me for this. At one point, when I first constructed this list, I didn't have TLC on it. I had Jade every day of the week. No, what? I would have <laughs> I would have been like, what are you doing? Because I can. Re- that song was like number one on Hot 101 okay. all the time. The, the one song, looking at my list, the one song that I really, really feel like we're going to get some hate mail about that we left off the top 30 songs of the 90s. Amazed Lone Star? No, but yes, Spice Girls Wannabe. Yeah, we did leave We it did off. not put on I don't know if I like expected you to take it, but Spice Girls Wannabe from 96, probably the biggest omission. And now I know That's a certain... Bo Callahan slipping in the draft. Now I know a certain someone in my life is not going to like the fact that I didn't have Hanson's Umbop on this list. That song you could group in with a good amount oh, of yeah. other songs. Yeah. So sorry, um, hon. Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. Yeah. Beck Loser. Did you say Lump by Presidents of the United yeah, States? Yeah, sure. Green Day. You know, anything off Dookie. Yeah. Uh, a 90s song I really love that it would have been a stretch. Harvey Danger, Flagpole Sitter. Yeah. Dude, that song's so great. I Believe by B.U.S. Yeah. Bless the Union of Souls. Goldfinger, Superman. I was just because, I mean, it is not in any uh, way definitive. Tony Hawk. Like, Tony Hawk. Kingpin. Uh, man, that song was everywhere. Okay, here's another one. One, and it was their debut song, Sugar Ray featuring Super Cat. Sugar Fly. Ray, it's kind of a travesty. We didn't have Sugar Ray because yeah. they had three or four songs. Lit, My Own Worst Enemy. I had that on there. Big at one, one. Point. Offspring had a moment. They did. Self Esteem. Big pun featuring Joe Still Not a Player wouldn't have been mad. New Radicals Get What You Give is an interesting one because that, that might be one of the biggest one hit wonders ever. Yeah. That was like critically, you hear people like YouTube being like, we wish 
wish we would have wrote that song. Like mm-hmm. that is an incredible song. What about All For You by Sister Hazel? Stretch. That, that's that like, could be a last pick. There's like a group of like 25 of those songs. Yeah, that's a good point. Anything by Aaliyah. Guns N' Roses November Rain happened in, in the 90s. Car- <sighs> Cardigans Love Fool. Semi-Sonic Closing Time. Don't forget about that Smashing Pumpkins Smashing mid to late pumpkins, 90s. Uh, bunch of stuff. Bullet Butterfly Wings. 1979. 1979. Today. Tonight. Uh, Michael Jackson had Black or White and Remember the Time if you want to do that. I didn't really want to talk about him. I Believe I Can Fly. Yeah. R. Kelly is a big one. Huge. I was also going to mention, and I didn't know what your thoughts would be. Early 90s cheese. Rico Suave. Yeah. I'm Too oh, Sexy. No. I 100% would have allowed it. Okay. because I, I mean, Macar- I would have allowed Macarena. I, hell, I would have allowed Macarena as the number one overall pick because, yeah. but stuff like that, I don't care what your personal opinion are on yeah. how bad it is because truly it did the fucking Macarena define the 90s. When Bill Clinton was the president, Hillary Clinton was doing the fucking Macarena. Yeah, she was. It was a cultural moment. It's a, a terrible song. It is. About a girl who cheats on her boyfriend because his two friends were so fine. There's a lot. There's I, a lot. I I mean, for fuck's sake. Hey, Kevin, you forgot the song from my movie, Fear. Come down by Bush. Well, Bush, Bush had a moment. 16 Glycerin. Stone. Uh, yeah. There's a bunch of them. So the other thing about this list, too, is some artists that we mentioned dominated the list so much. Like, Mariah Carey could have had five songs. Boys to Men. Boys to Men could have had four songs, you know, probably. Like, there were certain artists that were just, and there were certain artists, again, that we did not pick. Yeah, Master P. As far as I, <laughs> make him say, uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, like Nirvana, once you put Nirvana, Pearl Jam, it covers Pearl Jam, it covers Soundgarden, it covers Alice in Chains, you're good. Once you, Montel Jordan, you know, that knocks out a bunch of picks. I think we have a honestly a pretty great variety. I'm happy with our list. There's nothing on it that I look at and I get real weirded out or disappointed. I think we really did a great job, Jim. And I think when we launch this time capsule yeah. into space, which is something we're totally doing, I think. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. Well, before we go next week, Fast and Furious Fast X. X part one. Part one. Which will now be three parts yeah. now. Fast X part one. Yes! Spoiler cast. I'm going to take a bunch of Fast X before I go. Um, <laughs> my stomach hurts. Again, Spotify. I'm not doing it on Apple Music. I'm no, not doing it on Apple Music. Other. sucks. Spotify. Pool Scene Definitive 90s Playlist. So Pool Scene Definitive 90s. You search that. I'm sure when you type in Pool Scene, the podcast will come up. You can listen to old episodes there. So Pool Scene Definitive 90s. Listen to that. Maybe, Maybe one day we do the Definitive 80s, which would be even harder. Very, very fucking hard yeah. I'm, I'm picking um with 80s i'm telling you right now we do 20 each because we we I, have to. i don't know man that's <laughs> i'm picking prefab sprout <laughs> and q feel yes and then we'll figure out the rest yeah we'll trounge through it and uh we are the world okay well until next week please join us for fast x part one spoiler cast listen to the uh, spotify playlist and silencio <laughs>